So we're going to read the Word of God. Is that okay? Do you have your Bibles? Did you guys bring one of these things or at least an electronic device? I got all kinds of different gadgets that I can refer to. Psalm 100, uh, the whole psalm. We're going to read the whole thing, so all five verses of it, okay? Uh, It says this. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. Say that with me. The Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Let me pray this morning. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for this message that has been stirring in my heart, and thank you for the season that we're entering into, Thanksgiving, one of my favorite times of year. Lord, thank you that we are here to get today. We're family, and we all desire to learn and to grow from your word. And I pray that you would minister through me this morning, Lord, that you would speak through your servant today, and that every one of us would receive something from the word of God, because it will not come back void. That would encourage us and inspire us. And, and give us uh, more hope than we have when we came in the door, more joy than we had when we came in the door, more freedom and liberty when we, than we had when we came in the door. In Jesus' name, amen. And it doesn't matter how much you had, we can always have a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? I, I think I, I'm doing pretty well in the things of God. I have a lot of joy. I have a lot of freedom. I have a lot of liberty. But I know that God has more, Amen. Man, we had some hard belly laughs last night out at the, what is that place called? Ethel M's. I think it was a chocolate rush, probably, because, you know, they give you, they give you free chocolate when you do the tour, and then you go look at all the lights. But, man, we had some hard belly laughs, and I'll probably bring Dean Barry up here, and he can show you what they did. No, I'm kidding. It was, it was I don't even, I don't even, I don't even want to get started down that path, because, but it's hard for me to believe, because anybody else believe that, like, Thanksgiving is, like, what, 11 days away? Less than two weeks? Oh, my gosh. It seemed like uh, I was just taking down the Christmas decorations last week. It seemed like that's how quick this year has gone. But I'm looking forward to spending Thanksgiving with many of you here at our food bank on Thanksgiving morning. I am excited about serving a traditional home-cooked Thanksgiving dinner to, 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 to the homeless and to the guests that maybe can't do that on their own uh, because of whatever reasons there are. So uh, I'm excited about that. So in light of the season that it is, it's Thanksgiving, I thought I'd spend the next couple of weeks just talking about that topic, Thanksgiving or thankfulness. And, and, and so I want to spend a little time this week talking about uh, the internal things that we can be thankful for, things that we're internally grateful or thankful for. Next week, I'll probably spend some time talking about the external things, although they will come out today too because you can't have one without the other. Because I'll tell you, what happens on the inside always comes out on the outside. You know what I'm saying? So when we're thankful and we have good attitudes on the inside, we're going to have good attitudes showing on the outside. And that, that's what, I love Thanksgiving. It's a reminder of that. And this psalm was used by the nation of Israel back in the day as a psalm to give thanks to God. As a matter of fact, if you look in your Bible, they all have a header. Mine says, a psalm of thanksgiving. So it is the thanksgiving psalm, if you will, for us today. And as they gathered to worship the children of Israel, this psalm was used, it was a way that they used to reflect the attitude of their heart. And that's why I want to talk to you today about four different attitudes of our heart that I think that Thanksgiving always reminds me of. 
Thanksgiving is always a time for me to collect my thoughts and be thinking about what is going on inside of me. It's, it's like the precursor to Christmas, which is my favorite holiday. But I think without Thanksgiving, I wouldn't have that reminder and I'd go into Christmas full bore head on just and miss it. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm thankful for Thanksgiving. And it's one of my favorite holidays for that very reason. But I want to talk about these attitudes today. And, and I think the first attitude that I want to share with you is just this attitude of worship. We should have an attitude of worship. You know that you are a worshiper? Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you want to be or not, you are all created to be a worshiper. We all, listen, we all value something, don't we? We have things that we value in our life. And the questions we need to ask ourselves today is, what do I value most? So you can fill that in. There's a blank on your, on your bulletin. What do I value? It may be your family. It may be Jesus, hopefully. It may be, you just came to the end of my sermon, brother. It, it may be your children, it may be your career, it may be you fill in the blank. What do I value most? And what you answer that, to that question, can I tell you, that's what reflects your worship. You worship what you value most. For a lot of us, what or who we worship may be what or who we should not be worshiping. Sometimes our priorities get out of whack a little bit, and we value things higher, or we value even spouses. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my family. I love my church, but my Jesus comes first. See, we were made to worship, and what we worship becomes our God, and there's this verse in John uh, chapter 4, and and it's verses 22 through 24. It says, you know what? You know, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. It says, but the hour is coming and now is, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must what? Worship in spirit and in truth. Man, I'll tell you what, worship is, is powerful. And I'm going to talk about this just a little bit more. There's, there's a book. Anybody know Louis Giglio? You ever heard? I love this guy, man. You ever hear him preach, talk about the stars? And I can't do it, so I'm not even going to try. But he wrote a book. It's called The Air I Breathe. And this is, what, this is one of, one of his, his statements in here. He said, the answer begins and ends with God. Simply put, you and I were made by him and made for him. You exist for one purpose alone, to reflect back to God his matchless glory. So how do, how do we reflect God's glory? What is it about worship? What is it about worship that would reflect the glory of God? And the first thing I pull out of verse 1 is, is it's a shout of joy. That, that there's a shout of joy that comes out of somebody who, who loves and who worships God. And, and Psalm 100, or, or verse 1, it said, make a joyful shout to the Lord. We all know what a shout is, right? It's a loud call or a cry, right? Hey! You, I mean, you guys will be shouting at your football teams later on today, won't you? You'll be shouting some explicit as if they're losing. I know you. You need to clean it up. Amen? But we hesitate. Yeah, some of you are getting it now, huh? But we hesitate to raise our voice in church sometimes. Here's some of you. Right? Mike would know. He's up there. That's why he's there on the front row. So I have to look at some of you. It's like, 
You know, it, and I'm not mad at you. I understand. I used to worship that way until I got a revelation and I found out the freedom of God. And, and, and you know, there's really, there really is no wrong way of worship. My son corrected me one time. He looked at me and I, because, you know, you know me. Okay, that's how I worship. Pastor Kerry worships a lot like me. And, and Justice, he's one of those. And he pulled me aside one day and he busted my chops. He said, Dad, I might be like this on the outside, but on the inside, I'm getting it. And I said, you know what? It's pretty evident my son gets it, isn't it? So, so I'm not talking about your posture so much as your, the position of your heart, okay? What's on the outside? I'm not going to judge you for that. What's going on on the inside? That's what God's going to judge, right? Worship's important. So we got to make a joyful shout. Sometimes we just need to lift up our voices. What about, what about uh, the children of Israel? One of the, 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 the most difficult obstacles they ever faced when they entered the promised land, the first obstacle they came up to was what? Jericho. How did that obstacle come down? Shouting, shouting. They shouted the walls down. What about our our text in Zerubbabel when we started shouting grace, grace? What about that? Remember Zerubbabel, he's standing out on an empty lot, and he's got the capstone, the final building project, just a stone, and there's nothing out. There's debris, there's dirt, a lot like what our lot looks like, right? And he started shouting grace, grace at this capstone. And what happened? All of a sudden, favors started happening, provisions started coming. And can I tell you something? If you're new to Grapevine, we put that sign out on the lot, that big sign out there that lights up at night. That is our capstone. We said, you know what? We're going to shout at this capstone. We're going to put the final building. Usually you put the sign on last, you know what I'm saying? When you build a building, you put the sign on. It's nice. You light it up, and, and then you open. No, we're putting the sign up first. That's our capstone. We're having faith, and we're shouting grace, grace at that thing, and we're believing God. Can I tell you that there has been a lot of things happening in the area of favor since we did that? I just listed a few of them. We have already had lots of favor with our neighbors. Neighbors that used to hate us love us. Some of them are even starting to come to our church. They all have my cell phone number. And they call me up when there's a problem, and guess what we do? We address the problem. We don't rebuke the neighbor. We rebuke ourselves and say, how can we be a better neighbor? What else has happened? We have favor with the county, Clark County. I've got to sit at the county, county Clark commissioner, the, 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 you know, whatever his name is, the guy, Greg, yeah, sit at his desk, and he likes Grapevine. He actually helped me fill out this package that I had to do because I don't know how to do it. No, Ron, that's not it. Do, do it like this. It'll go through. I was like, thank you. I need that. We have favor with our commissioner who wanted to shut Grapevine down. I'm telling you, me and Pastor Carrie sat and met with this woman. She loves us. I'm claiming stuff. You know what I'm saying? Has anybody noticed how much our church has grown? Since... That's all favor. I mean, we, we think the favor means that the budget, oh, a billion dollars came in, now we can build. No, that, not necessarily. That would be the wrong order of things, wouldn't it? I can have a million dollars and the neighbors can still vote no. You can't build your building. Guess what happens? You don't build your building. So things have to take place first. Can I tell you God is up to something? God is doing something. God has began to put us in circles, leadership, my wife, myself, uh, in, in circles with important and powerful people in our community. I'm having breakfast with the mayor on Tuesday. Not because she invited me. It's a three-square event. But you know what? I believe favor comes through that stuff. I'm going to get a picture with her, too. You watch. Yeah, they, do that. They, do that. they do that every year, too. That's just part of the program. So, huh? 
You already, I already have one, too, from last year. But, you know, God is doing something. God is setting us up. God is setting up Grapevine. It's awesome. I, I wonder what area of your life you need to shout out this morning in order to get the victory. I wonder if there's something in your life that you're struggling with that maybe you just need to do something a little bit different. Maybe you just need to shout at something. Stop shouting at your kids. Stop shouting at God. You know what I'm saying? Shout at the devil, right? That was an old song. I'm not singing that one. I'm not going to sing that song. (laughs) Psalm 98 verse 4 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. We should be singing praises. God wants you to get excited about who he is and what he's doing in your life. You should be, oh my gosh, we should be excited. We should be dancing the aisles every time we get a chance to worship. We should be shouting from the rooftop that God saved me. He healed me. He restored me. Come on, somebody. I think we should stop right now and give God a shout of praise. Wow. I am impressed, man. I thought I was going to have to egg you on three, four times. Come on, you can do better. I'm not even going to ask for better because my ears are ringing right about now. I'm, very, I'm a very proud pastor right now. You get it. You get it. Sometimes it's necessary. Right? Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it's needed. Don't you feel better? Sometimes just shouting it out makes you feel better. You know what I'm saying? The demons tremble at the sound of the name of Jesus. Sometimes I just shout that name, Jesus. Another, another aspect of worship, another area to, to show God, reflect back his glory, is, is to worship with gladness. We, just, we need to be happy. We need to, be, we need to show the gladness. of the, 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 the Bible says in verse 2 of, of our psalm, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. But I don't know how to sing. I can't carry a tune. Neither can I, but I do it. No, one get, no one's getting mad at me too much. They invited me on the worship team, but you know, they, you know what I'm saying? In fact, when I get up there, they turn my mic down. Don't think I don't notice that, sound guy. But, you know, the word serve here, in other translations, your Bible may say worship the Lord, right? You know what it actually means? That word actually carries the meaning to work at it. To work at it. So in other words, we're to work at being glad and come before his presence with singing. Some of you need to tell your face to be happy. Some of you, try it. Even if it's fake, sometimes you just got to fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? Some of you just want to come and turn upside down. There's the smile, right? Turn that frown upside down. You know what I mean? Some of you need to command your heart. Listen. Command your heart to worship. You know, Proverbs tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. So just because you don't feel like it, guess what? We don't worship because we we get to or because we want to. We worship because we get to. Amen? I don't worship because I have to. I worship because I want to. I love to worship. I love to worship through the stuff. I love to shout at the stuff, and I love to worship through it. Some of you sometimes need to join me on my knees down here. You know what I'm saying? Well, you get on your knees. I'll be on mine. But, you know, I said, join me on my knees. That wouldn't work too well. And she sit on my shoulders. However, if that works for you, I'm game, okay? I'm your pastor. I'll carry, carry your load if I have to. I love you that much. The diff- I love this definition of worship. There's lots of them that are good. But, but what it is, it's intense love or admir- admiration. That's what worship is. It's an intense love. Or, that's what we're talking about. Talking about worshiping God, 
throwing your love on him, throwing your, your mercy on him, throwing your, throwing your passion on him, throwing your problems. He says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Don't, don't you get glad or excited when you get around people you love? It's good, huh? That's what the holidays remind me of when we get to get around people we love. And it hasn't always been that way for me. Talk about that in a minute. But, but I get to get around people I love, and it makes me excited. And, and God wants you to gladly or excitedly express your love for Him. He doesn't want you to, oh, God, come here. I love you. No, come on. Oh, God, if you never did anything else for me, you've done enough. I'm on my way to heaven, people. Eternity is my final destination. I'm an alien and a stranger on this planet, especially in the city of Las Vegas. Come on, somebody. Wow. All right. What? I missed something. I'm probably glad. Our second attitude, the attitude of our heart, is an attitude of belonging. We need to have an attitude of belonging. Look at verse 3. It says, know that the Lord is what? He is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are people, his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Here's a little funny thing. Mm, in this church? Yeah, I think there's one, but he's not here right now. Sometimes people pronounce pastor, pasture. And I love that when they say, hi, pasture. I'm like, do I stink or what? <laughs> it's cute to me. But we are the sheep of his pasture. We are his sheep. He is our shepherd. You're just getting it, huh? Oh, Daryl, do you say that? I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> if you do, I wasn't even thinking about you. I never heard you say it that way. But listen, I, I, on, honestly now, there, there has been no, no greater joy in my life, in my nearly, I know you're going to be shocked by this, my nearly 50 years of existence, almost, there has been no greater joy in my life than belonging to the family of God. Amen. I, I'm serious about this. There, there is the joy of my life since I gave my heart to Jesus. It has given me, I've come to realize that every gift and every blessing that I have today, every one of them, and I've evaluated every single one of them, is a result of my belonging. My belonging to the family of God. My saying yes to Jesus. Listen, my wife, I didn't meet her till I got saved. I had relationships before. I was engaged a couple times. Thank God those things didn't work out because I would have I destroyed that person, that family, if, God would, if that would have ever happened in my life. My children, my mom, the relationship I have with her today, yeah, she was in my life before, but the relationship I have with her today, the friends that I have today, my church family and my extended family, all of it, it's all good because I belong. It was all bad, my story, before I belonged. It's all good since my belonging. This verse shows me at least three. There's, there's more that I discovered as I was putting this together. But I want to share with you three virtues of God that I think that we need to, to get an understanding of so that we can, so we can grasp onto this area of belonging to God. Number one, or letter A, is Lord. He's our Lord. That, that means that He is to be our ruler or our master. He is God all by Himself. He doesn't need my help. He solicits me, he's called me, but honestly, he really doesn't need me. He's God all by himself. He's not asking for my permission. We need to recognize who God is and who we are not. 
We need to realize that. And then we can belong to the family when you recognize him as Lord, God Almighty. Do you understand what I'm saying today? The, 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 the Godhead who spoke all of this? Yeah, it was a big bang, wasn't it? God spoke it and it happened. That's the big bang I'm talking about. I don't know about all the other stuff, big banging. But God, and, I, and, I, and I, I referenced this verse last week, so I wanted to bring it and read it to you this week because it, it ties right into this, and it's in Exodus chapter 3. Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. I don't need much else explanation. I is he. Tell them I'm him. How'd you say it, Mom? (laughs) I'm me, yeah. I'm God all by myself. Letter B, he's our creator. He's our creator. He spoke all things. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor, for you created what things? All things. And by your will they exist and were created. You know how I know you belong? You know how I know that every one of you belong, whether or not you are a Christian today? It's because God created you. And he created you to be family. So if you're sitting in the chair today and you say, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you belong. Well, I was tricked into coming to church here. Yeah, God tricked you, not your friend. God had a plan for you to be here today. Because he loves you that much. Guess what? I got tricked into going to church 20 years ago, and I haven't left since. Because I found out that I belong. And I found out that every blessing that I have in my life is because I do belong. Because he created me to belong. See, when we're lost, when we're, when we're without Christ, we never have a sense of belonging. There were times that I had good stuff going on, but I always felt a little bit lost. I always felt a little bit distant. I always felt that there was something else that I should be doing, that I could be doing, that, that I should have in my life. I always felt a little bit of emptiness in my heart. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't filled. I tried to fill it with stuff. You know my story, drugs, alcohol, it doesn't matter. I tried to fill it with everything else, but when Jesus filled that spot, guess what, family? I have not been empty since. Don't get me wrong. I get lonely sometimes. I do. I got only child syndrome, right, Todd? I do. I'm an only child, and sometimes I get lonely. But God filled the void of my heart. He's also another virtue. He's our shepherd. He's our shepherd. I want to read this to you out of the message, verse 3. For his people, his well-tended sheep. You know, he takes care of his sheep. I don't mind being his sheep. He takes really good care of me. Our shepherd, as our shepherd, God leads us to this place of, listen, security, abundance, and rest. Three things that I think elude non-Christians. Security, abundance, and rest. I should add peace. Couldn't find a lot of peace before Christ in my life. There was joy. There was other things. It wasn't the kind of joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, but, but I, ha- I was happy at times. But I never had peace, and I never had security, and I never had rest. I was always searching. You know what I'm saying? Searching. I don't have to search anymore. It's there. People, it's there. 
I want to read to you Psalm 23, also out of the message. I don't always bring the message, but sometimes I just love the way it, it reads. So most of us have heard Psalm 23. If we, Fortunately, we use it a lot at funerals, talking about the valley of the shadow of death. But, but here, here's the message translation. It says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction, even when the way goes through Death Valley. I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love, listen to this, chase after me every day of my life. Come on, somebody. His beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. You don't have to go anywhere. You won't find it anywhere else. One thing Jesus will do, he'll mess up your high. Those of you in recovery know exactly what I'm talking about. Number three, third attitude, an attitude of thanks. Man, we should be thankful to the Lord. Psalm 4 said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Man, I'll tell you what, don't try to, his word says approach boldly. Don't try to approach boldly without a thankful heart. You'll just be put back out. You can't even enter his gates without thanksgiving on your heart. He can't receive from you because you're not there to thank him for anything. You're there to demand. God, and he wants to hear your prayers. Don't get me wrong. If you've got to demand some things, if, if you've got to shout at God, go ahead. Get it off your chest. Tell him like it is. He's your daddy. He can handle it. Right? He'd probably bend you over his knee, but that's okay. That's but enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. We thank God because of who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. Always leads us in triumph. Come on, you will get the victory. I I know, and some of you have been walking through it for a little while. I know you have, because I've been here with you for 14 months, coming on 15 months, and you're still walking through some of the same stuff. But can I tell you, always, the verse says, always leads us in triumph. We've got to follow him. Here's, here's a challenge for you. This is what I like to do this time of year. I don't normally write out a physical list, but it's, it's a mental thing I do. But I'm going to challenge you to write out 10 things in the next week or so that you're most thankful for. Just write them down. Sometimes you got to do that. And then here's what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to share them with someone this Thanksgiving. I want you to pull a family. Listen, you have an unsaved family member, and they're going to be at your house for Thanksgiving? Pull them aside. Don't do it in front of the group. That's kind of weird. You can. You can. But not to make a point with an unsaved person. Sometimes we gather in a group, and we'll just each person go and go around, say what we're thankful for, and then we pray over the dinner. But if you, if you take that list and you go to your unsaved brother or your unsaved sister and say, hey, you know what, I just want to, I know I'm talking about God and you don't want to hear it, but can I just tell you what I'm most thankful for this year? Maybe you add him to the list. 
I'll tell you what, it, it, might, it might do something for him, but I'll guarantee it'll do something for you. We need to have a thankful heart. That's what Thanksgiving does for me. It reminds me, it reminds me that God is on my side, that, that I have lots of things to be thankful for. If it wasn't for God, I, I really wouldn't have anything. I would be, well, honestly, I would be dead by now. My father drank himself to death at the age of 45, 45 years old. I'm 49. <laughs> I made it. Honestly, I would have did, been dead younger than him if I had kept the path I was on. But God knows. I'm thankful for the life I have. I'm thankful for belonging. Number four. Last one. An attitude of acceptance. God wants us to accept the love that he's shown towards us. I, I think that's the hardest thing for people today. Is accepting that God loves you. Accepting that God sent his son to die for you. Accepting that he would be mindful of you. Verse 5 in our psalm says, For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. The acceptance of Jesus Christ is extended to everybody in this room. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, no matter how far out there you've been, it's extended to each one of us. He didn't say, clean up, and then I'll let you in. He said, no, come to me as you are. And I love how he told it to some of his disciples. I'll make you fishers of men. He said, you don't have to clean up first. Just come on. Drop your stuff. Drop your net. Drop your fishing poles. Drop your presupposed ideas. Drop whatever religion you came from that says you have to be perfect before you can be in Christ and be accepted. We should be thankful because of God's love for us and that he accepted us as we are. You want the worship team to come on back up? He didn't say, I choose this one and I choose that one and, and I don't choose that one because they're not right for me. Tuesday I shared and I told everybody there that, oh no, it was on Sunday when I preached about Veterans Day, that it's the only army. Jesus is the only one that doesn't turn any volunteers away. He accepts everyone just as they are. John 3.16 says this. We know it, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. So whoever... There's a church in, in Apple Valley. <laughs> they name themselves Whosoever. That's, they're the church of Whosoever. You know, we all, all are part of the church of Whosoever. Whoever, whoever. doesn't matter where you're at, what you've done, just whoever you are. No matter what kind of trouble you've found yourself into, no matter what kind of trouble you find you're in, Pastor, I've, I've got to face some situations before I can come to Christ. No, you can't face those situations till you come to Christ. I told you earlier in worship that, that there's some things that we just can't handle without Him. It's too much for us to bear without our Lord and Savior. It's too much for us to bear without belonging to one another. 
That verse has acceptance written all over it. But listen, the choice is ours to make. It says, whosoever believes in him, whoever believes in Listen, everybody's welcome. It's up to you to believe. In that same book, Louis Giglio, he wrote this. He said, God loves the world, every soul in it. He wants all nations to know his name, all people to taste his goodness, and every heart to sing his praise. That's Lottie Dottie, everybody. That's you and that's me. Now, most of you I know, see most of your faces, and I know that you're family, I know that you belong. But I don't know everybody here. We have some visitors and have some people who have been coming for just a short time. So I want to make an offer to you. If you would bow your head and close your eyes with me, I'm going to ask a question. Do you belong to the family of God? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Do you know him? Can you call him Daddy? Can you call the Lord Daddy? Do you know where eternity is for you? Is it in heaven? If you're not sure of that, I want to make an offer to you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to belong to the family of God. And if that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to pray that prayer. Is there anybody here today? Thank you. Thank you for your hand. Anybody else today would say, you know, I, I don't know Jesus. I, I feel like a prodigal. I feel like I maybe grew up in church and I went my own way for a lot of years and here I find myself back and I don't know what my future looks like. I don't know if I really belong. Don't be worried about once saved, always saved. If you're not sure, thank you. Thank you for your hand, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So we're going to say this together as a family, can we? We're going we're gonna to worship the Lord in just a second, too. Got a song, brother? Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I accept the forgiveness and believe that you died for me. Be Lord of my life today. In your name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to worship one song.